Hello, and welcome to episode 102 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm still Big Red. No, I'm LP. And I'm Will. Gentlemen, we're back again. I don't know what's going on with the intros, but I like it. It's all good. Um, so, <laughs> all right, we're back. We're going to talk about Charlie Jane Anders, uh chapter section three again, because something happened last time we got to one section and that was the whole episode. So we're going to revisit it here pretty soon. But before we get to that, just a quick reminder, um, if you want to help support the show, please reach out to us. Um, give us a buck or two an episode, patreon.com slash just keep writing and give us a buck or two and help us out. It'd be awesome. So before we get to all of that, um, we've got some announcements from our, our people. So I'm going to just go around the horn. Let's start with you, Brent. What you got going on, buddy? Yeah. Okay. So for me, um, update on the uh, novella release. Um, you know, I've talked about it on here. It's not been a secret. This thing's been kicking my butt. But, uh, you know, working with Dave, Dave is super gracious, super understanding. And, you know, we, we uh, talked about what was needed. And uh, so um, it's coming out later. It's coming out February 28th of next year. But so here's the cool stuff about that. Like I, I first I had a little anxiety freak out, blah, blah, blah. But it's actually kind of cool. So now it gets to come out during Black History Month. Which is awesome. Right. Also, Ooh. February twenty eighth is my mom's birthday. So my oh. mom was always oh. one of those people who really she didn't understand the weird shit I liked, but she always <laughs> indulged it anyway. She was always the one that like, no matter how crazy she thought it was, she never told me no when I wanted an Animorphs book. She never told me no when I wanted to get a Goosebumps book. So, uh, you know, she never told me no when I wanted to get a comic book. So having it come out on her birthday is actually really kind of cool. So yeah, I think so this sweet. is a universe way of telling me, like, stop tripping. This is going to be nice. So that's awesome. Yeah. And we're all excited about it. Like, whatever the hell it comes, we're all excited about it. No, I yeah. can't wait. Oh, that's, yeah. so, that's so sweet, Brent. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So it kind of, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of like a, yeah, it was kind of like a cool little moment. So I, I'll, I'll take it. Nice. What about you, LP? What you got going on? Well, um, I did my eligibility post yesterday because uh, apparently I had time. And so uh, I'm just going to go through the things that I'd like to be nominated for. So uh, one is Wanderlust, which showed up in Anathema in uh, August. Uh, sci-fi rom-com multiversal <clears throat> about black men trying not to fall in love and doing it anyway. Um, the next uh, is the tour.com um, non-fic that I wrote about Locus. Locus is in danger of closing and we don't want that because we don't have a trade publication for SFNF without Locus. And so uh, it's kind of a plea for people to jump on their Indiegogo and support this institution that's been supporting us for so long. Um, I don't want to be nominated for that because I think, I think that was just a service. And like, if you're thinking that you should do something after you click on that, click the next link and go and drop some money in there or get a subscription. There are lots of things you can do today. Voodoo Not Presents uh, Reliving Mythology came out, which is super, super exciting. Uh, I'm actually just an hour off of the uh, launch party right now um, and listening to people read the stories that are in the in the anthology was really kind of powerful and uh, I'm super proud of it and I'd really love it if that was 
uh, that was nominated, as well as me for me, 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 Shingai, Hugh H.D. Hunter, and uh, Eva Indelovu. Um, Shingai is an editor at Podcastle. I also edited an issue of Speculative City. So, you know, if you want to, if you think I did a good job in any of these places, just let the world know and nominate a bitch. Uh, and so the last couple pieces are Voodoo Knots. We do a lot of stuff that people can't see unless they're black <laughs> because our, all of our work is kind of, uh, intercommunity focused. Um, and if the f- Kickstarter for the anthology was any indication, then like people do kind of see what we're doing and that's good. Um, but award and stuff will help us to, to build validity in other people's eyes, help us get funding. Um, and we're about the community or about, bringing black people to the fore in the community so y'all can see the breadth of what it is that we're doing. And the last thing was one that I was not expecting. Um, Just keep writing. (laughs) I was going to ask that people try to nominate the podcast uh, before I became a co-host. I actually talked about it in an episode and then I got got on the group chat the next week. So um, outside looking in, this podcast has a community um, that is vibrant, that checks on all of the episodes and is like kind of fervent. They they swap they swap manuscripts and like read books together and like it, it's it's really going down. This podcast is a podcast, but like it's created a community around itself, which I think is really powerful. And everyone can't do that. I've seen other organizations try and fail miserably. Um, and the fact that this is self-sustaining is amazing. So on the one side, this could be a fan cast. On the other side, this could also be a conversation about, um, a community award. Um, so these are the things that you can nominate me for my, oh, shite. Uh, sorry. There's a poem in, in the anthology that I wrote. You can also nominate me for Stars Born Blue. So Stars Born Blue, Wanderlust, Best Short Editor, uh, uh Reclaiming Mythology, Voodanauts, just keep writing. Those are the things that are nominable. Nominable? Hmm. Nominatable? Those are the things you can nominate <laughs> that I'm involved in and uh, also several people here are involved in. So you could, you know, just pass them nominations around if you want to. Praise him. That's awesome. I appreciate you throwing us in there on that, but you're doing awesome stuff, man. Thank you. Oh, good luck on all that. It's awesome. Like joining this podcast. I know. Which we love. <laughs> and I think I wrote most of that stuff down. If not, I'll link to LP's Twitter, uh, that post specifically. Um, and you can check all that stuff out for sure in the show notes. Okay, Will, I'm going back to you. Okay. You have, anou- you have an announcement, right? Well, I have another announcement just because I've been talking about it. Um, my webtoon that I wrote that uh, my friend Sebastian, we're working on it, is actually going to come out now on February 1st. I am going to put a link on um, mm. the show notes when we are close to launching in our Instagram because we're doing like a heavy marketing push. Um, also, uh, with that being said, there is something that I did not talk prior to the podcast that I want to actually have everyone pay attention to when they listen to it. Um, the HarperCollins Union strike is happening right now, and it's for better working conditions. And uh, what we're asking everyone is not to um, not purchase HarperCollins books. We want you to do the opposite and keep purchasing them. 
because it is actually going to prove a point to um, all of the executives who made record-breaking profits that the collective employees are asking for only, altogether everyone, $1.1 million. So uh, we're going to link an episode to a podcast called Print and, Print and Run, or Print Run. Um, it's from two agents, and they actually go in depth of how much the employees at HarperCollins actually talk to other authors and agents to do best by everyone, because it is in everyone's best interest that these people who work so hard, like editors, actually get paid properly because they're going to be the champions of your book. And they have actually put a lot of thought into this. It was from the union itself that said that they didn't want people to boycott buying HarperCollins books. They wanted them to because um, it is only going to help out the authors. They don't want the authors to suffer, but they need to be properly compensated. And Print Run goes into detail about what's so amazing about um the union and why they deserve it and why it's good for agents, authors, and everyone who works there. Just, I I think if everyone can have a minute and listen to it, uh, it really does go in detail about what the union did and how thoughtful it was just to make sure that they weren't hurting authors, that they were really trying to benefit them. And I thought it was just because they purposely waited till the end of the year. Because almost all the contracts and everything would have been done. All of the things for marketing would have been done. And yet the executives at HarperCollins, um, and I'm paraphrasing, so listen to Print Run. It's a really great podcast as well from two amazing agents. Um, really, they, they were just really thoughtful in everything that they were doing, and they deserve that raise. So I forget what I, my, I was going with that just... No, that's awesome. So I, I just want to make sure it gets in the show notes and stuff so people can check that out and um and do their part. That sounds awesome. I'm glad you guys brought all that stuff up. All right. Well, I think me and Nick have established we have no announcements except school is kicking our behinds. So we should get to uh back to Charlie Jane Anders, huh? Yeah, let's do this. All right. Are you are you ready? Oh yeah. Everyone ready? Absolutely. All right, buckle up, Duchess. <laughs> um now we're gonna go into the section of people are only as interesting as their relationships. And I love that our Charlie Jane says, I don't write characters. I write relationships. And throughout the book, she talks about so many different kinds of relationships. So my first question is, um, what are the best relationships that you feel like each of you write. And I'm going to start off with um, LP. Uh, I think um, I'm pretty sure that I write intimate relationships best. And when I say that, um, I write people who are familiar with each other, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like, like I write families well, but I also write intimate partners well, even if it's like, the first time after a one-time hookup, when a one-night stand turns into a second night, right? So, like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I write intimacy well between two characters. Um, I can't, I've never, I guess I've never tried to write small talk because I don't see the point in small talk. I don't know if it, like, holds any, like, dialogue merit, but 
I don't know. I I think yeah, intimacy. I read intimacy best. Amazing. Um, Marshall, what about you? Actually, I like. I, I think it's funny what LP just said about small talk. I feel like I had to write a scene with small talk today in my work in progress, which not really small talk, but they were kind of killing time. Um, and, but I think the relationships I've been really focusing on in a couple of short stories and in my current work are like the family uh, relationships, mostly um, found family. And, um, and I wrote a short story about a father son um, relationship. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I'm writing it well, but I'm in, I feel like I have a lot of, I feel like I'm, I'm getting the emotional beats pretty good for the most part because I'm a father and have a family and stuff like that. And I'm really, that's kind of a big part of my life right now. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now. Found family is a big one for me because I really like, um, I don't like you guys. I mean, I really think a lot of my friendships and I want to hold on to those things, but also I like the idea of, people coming together for a common cause and they have to lean on each other. And that's the family that they have. So that's, that's, that's what I like. Awesome. Uh, Brent, same question. What type of relationships do you think you write the best? Um, I think I write the ones where there's, there's some fundamental disagreements, but they have immense respect for each other. Like the Charles Xavier and Magnetos of the world. Those are like, I think I write those kind of relationships well. And I think the reason I do that is because being a Libra, I'm constantly doing that with myself about everything. <laughs> so it's always like, well, wait, did you consider this? Like, oh, well, think about their point of view. Like, ah, well, shit. So because that, you know, that, that comes natural to me because it's something I do with myself about any any stance I, I take about something, I can't help but to consider like, oh, well, wh- where are they coming from? Or like, what's their perspective? So it's easy for me that I think the right characters that that challenge each other, but still maintain some level of respect for one another. So antagonistic, but intellectually, ah, intellectually can't talk. So Okay. Um, and Nick? What do you feel like uh, the relationships you write best? Ooh, that's hard, man. Trying to figure out how to word it, Um, because you know I'm so famous for saying the right words the first time. I I mean, correct me, like correct my verbiage on this one. The only thing I think of is like, yeah, what Marshall's saying in the text, buddies, right? Heterosexual like relationships. Bromances. Like non <clears throat> Yeah, bromances. There we go. Bromances. Uh, I don't know, that was so hard. I let... <laughs> yeah, bromances are really fun. <laughs> okay. So looking at all those answers, I want to ask you all a question. And the first one is um, how do you figure out which relationships to focus on? And once you found the pairing you want to highlight, how do you strengthen their dynamic and troubleshoot any problems? So with LP, you said, you know, you write intimacy. That's, you know, your like standout. So how do you figure out um, what aspect of the relationship that you're going to focus on? And then um, how do you highlight their dynamics and also troubleshoot any problems between the characters? It depends on what the scene needs. Um, 
I I think in plot and I think in character. So it's like, okay, I need this to happen in the scene. So what does X need to do to provoke so-and-so to do three? Roman numeral three, right? Like, great. Okay, cool. So what what found what groundwork do I need to lay before the scene happens and then see that? And by that, I mean, put a bracket in uh, somewhere else so that like, I know to come back and make this make sense later on. I don't usually have a problem with characters, with relationships, because I usually have a sense of what they are going in. It's just when I get to the end, sometimes I'm like, how do I make this feel resonant? How do I make this feel like this was worth the journey? Okay. Good answer. Marshall. You talked about family relationships and found family. So when you're talking about like a found family, it's more than two people. So what relationships do you decide to focus on maybe first when you're first, like say it's a novel, what relationships do you decide to write first and how do you highlight them and also troubleshoot them? Like how do you make the dynamic happen? Um, Yeah, it's actually something I'm working on right now. I think – I had to focus on, I had to figure out the POVs first and who, what perspective the story is going to be from and how, so let's say, for example, I have five people in the found family, let's say, um, I have the POV character and I'm not, so I need to figure out how to get information across to the reader about the other folks when he's not around too. Right. So actually I, I this was something that I did wrote recently, which I thought was, I got this idea from my mentor for my program. He said, what about, you know, if somebody's talking about somebody else and they happen to be listening and since I'm on a starship, it actually worked out pretty well. So I have this whole conversation about rather than do a flashback, I did this whole thing where I was having a conversation, two characters were having a conversation about the POV character, but he was listening in. Um, so just like, it was kind of weird, but at the same time, um, I'm just trying to figure out how to keep how that character interacts with everybody else and how they look at him um, and make that work. And I know I'm not answering your question because I don't think I'm doing it right right now because I'm just drafting, but I really am just, um, I don't know. I guess, I guess the main focus is how they look at that POV character and how they react in the world because of that relationship. Does that make sense? Or am I yeah, not, I or am I not answering the question? I might have missed the question. No, I think you're, I also think, you know, you're also thinking out loud of something that you're writing right now, you know, which is good. This is what right. the conversation kind of, we want to move towards because other people, when they listen to the podcast are probably going to ask themselves the same question. So this is good that, you know, you're in process, you're in your draft, you're asking these questions. So, yeah, I think that totally answers it. Um, Brent, fundamental disagreements, but immense respect. You mentioned Professor X and Magneto. Yeah. So how do you decide to focus on those um, disagreements without it becoming... Um, you know, we'll just use this as an example, left versus right. 
you know, or, you know, or again, Professor X Magneto, you know, how do you balance that out that strengthens the characters and the dynamic of the two characters, but also how can you troubleshoot problems? So I think a great example of how to do this properly. Uh, well, okay. Before I, before I give the example, the thing I always keep in mind is if you let both of them walk away from the discussion, still standing tall, like you don't want to make it, if, if you really want, I think if you really want to pull off that kind of dynamic, both people have to still leave the interaction having gotten their point across, but neither one having backed down. Like, and so the example I'm going to provide is um, when Annalise Keating and Olivia Pope went the fuck off on each other. That is a, a, a classic example of two characters who have a fundamental disagreement and they both walk away from the interaction having read the fuck out of each other, but both are still mostly intact. Like they're, they're still like, you can't really. And the reason I think that that particular interaction works so well is that you can't really say either one won, but both of them definitely threw some fucking hands. Like they, 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 bop, bop. so if you've never looked that up, I encourage you to look it up. That is one of the like most hardcore scenes of dialogue. I think where two people dress each other down and they both still walk away from the interaction still being strong characters that you respect and that they had to respect each other at the end of it. Like they still, you know, they let each other know, like, I see you. <laughs> and, um, but they still walk away from the interaction intact. So I think that to me is if I'm going to, if I'm going to write that kind of dynamic, I want to make sure that neither character gets really too much on top of the other. And, you know, and um, that that's kind of my like, I guess my always like something I keep in mind when trying to go into one of those interactions. You know, we watched that last week. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that one's good. I want to I want to talk about that, though, for a minute, Brent, yeah. because I think that is a credit to the writers mm-hmm. because they knew the core of those characters so well that. I feel like as like when you're writing and you tell me this, like in your own work, do you feel when you're writing things like that, that you have like sat with these characters for a long time for that to be happening? Or do you feel like it's happening naturally because of the way the story's flowing? A little bit of both. And I, I, um, I, I'm sure people are sick of me saying this, but I, I'm definitely a world builder. That's what that's, you know, that's my, uh, that's why I have that's why I have fun. That's why I, you know, one of the things I love the most about this process. So I do really and part for me, part of world building is character work. Is like sitting there and being like so, sometimes asking stupid questions, sometimes asking, you know, the the deeper questions of these characters and figuring that out. But also too, I think in a lot of my work, when I have those that kind of dynamic. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> so a lot of it is like it, 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 it's it's a projection of of a, a debate I've had with myself in my head or a debate I've imagined myself having with someone that I disagree with. Right. So it's so it's a little bit of both because in, and I think that's why it's usually the kind of relationship I find the easiest to write is because it is so often a projection of things I've already like ransacked in my head and like kind of thought about. 
Now, what I have to end up doing is that I have to filter it through the character. So, for instance, in um in the necessary chaos, there's a scene where uh, the two main characters they um they are both trying to shade one another about who they work for or like their philosophies without really coming flat out and saying it. So, and this isn't a spoiler, so I can you know tell this. So they're basically they're at this beach. And they're on one of their like fake vacations or whatever. And this particular beach has this this pristine blue water that's like, you know, just unnaturally glowing blue or whatever. And the reason it is is because one of the the, the empires that um, Vade works for did some magical experimentation and polluted the beach. And that's where the actual pristine quality comes from. So Althus makes this little comment like, shading the fact that like oh this is this is pretty but you know it's not it's not real and then you know invade catches is like oh he's like he's throwing shade at me but you know he doesn't really i I really can't like confirm it as such so then he just comes back with a little his own little dagger with like you know talking about uh i can't remember exactly how the scene goes right now but something about like you know sometimes things that are built are better than what's natural or something like that so it's like they you know they're like throwing jabs at each other without actually like really it, it's it's not trying to take one or the other down it's having a conversation with each other and, and still leaving both characters intact um i promise the scene reads a lot better than what i just explained but, <laughs> but uh but yeah so that's just like kind of like how i approach it it's just kind of like um i want them to leave their interactions mostly intact and i think it builds the tension if every time they interact they're getting their points in, but they're not necessarily then no one's really coming out on top. And I think you build that tension until you have that um that final confrontation and things shake out however they shake out. Amazing. Um, Nick, so talk to me about your bromances. Um, you know, how do you which bromances do you decide to focus on first? Is it always you just writing like two bros and they're uh like they're like oh we're besties or you know and um you know like how do you highlight their strengths and also troubleshoot any difficulties um with the characters yeah interesting question Um, thank you i'm an interesting person yeah um so i really like i think and this comes from like being in the military and having bromances all the time like having one with marshall um, and being made fun of for it because we like to golf and wear collared shirts. Yeah, it's important. Um, the right attire. It's the right attire for a golf course, to be fair. But continue. <laughs> right. Um, so I mean, for me, like the focus has to be the banter. Right. We're if there's no banter, like I kind of feel like there's no real bromance. Like being that type of relationship, there is some leeway to poke fun at certain things that other people can't. Um, to say certain things that other people can't because you guys have that understanding with each other. So I really like to highlight that, but like going along with the strength and weaknesses, like they have to balance each other out. They can't be two identical people. They still have to be different people with their own interests and their own likes and things like that. And they're going to have to clash. But the beauty of the bromance, like you see a lot of compromise coming that way. Um, for one or the other and if ever you know if that balance of being compromising with each other ever gets lopsided um, I think that's where the conflict comes into play with that one of you know hey like we've been friends for 10 years but like you know 
ever since something happened, you've been really selfish. Like it's not the same relationship and you kind of get to tackle it from that angle and stuff like that, um, which is really nice. So here's my question for you. What do you think is the difference of writing bromances versus romances besides the obvious, like, you know, they're not sucking each other's dick. Cause then that turns into like, you know, like some hot and heavy, you know, gay stuff. So talk to me about bromances. Like what is different about writing in the, as a friendship bromance versus like a romance or like, you know, just like hot and heavy. Yeah. I mean, there's different type of tensions that you can play with. Right. So obviously we all know what a romance tension is and, and how that plays out and what the writer does in order to explore that. But I think with, with the friendship, there's all sorts of different tensions you can play with. From going to like you feel like a found family to be feeling like you're being ostracized by your friend, um, things like that. There, there's so many different layers I feel like to a bromance that you can explore that it really amps those up um, on that one. Do you feel like the tension in bromances uh, can also be the uh, just as intense as the uh, feelings? towards romances like do you think one is more intense than the other i think they both have their merits and i think it depends on what kind of story you're trying to tell um i mean for me i'm not a romance writer so i'm gonna say hey like the bromance has the higher tension output it has the bigger capacity in my feeling in my opinion to draw on I mean, we, we see it in the movies all the time. Like, oh, I was crossed by my best friend. Now I'm dead. I'm getting revenge. We see that quite a bit. Um, which could also be said the same for the romance end of things. I just think it's a, it's it just plays out differently. And I feel like there's certain emotions that are more intense on the bromance side than the romance. Got you. Um, LP. Yeah, I, I went to TikTok to, you know, develop my theories about people and uh, a, a frequent thing that I run into on the gay side of TikTok is conversations about how like men yearn for these like really deep emotional connections with other men and like kind of tolerate women to have sex and I'm not saying that this is why Nick and Marshall connect I'm saying that like sometimes I feel like those dynamics can be super interesting and very fun to like watch unfold like you know there's that point in lord of the rings where like they're like this far apart you're like kiss it was like <laughs> like like i know y'all are feeling the sexual tension i'm feeling the sexual tension and so i wonder like because because what nick said was that bromance has more relationship tension than romance and i was like ah but does it if they fuck like I think the only time that, like, <laughs> Nick's making a face. I think that, like, the only time that we've actually seen that that dam break is when, like, watching, like, um, Brokeback Mountain, where it was, like, dudes doing dude things, and then they kiss, and you're just like, whoa, shit, I've never seen a story break like this. And so, all this to say, do you, what do you think about the theory that, like, men prefer deep intimate connections with other men and 
and obviously I've seen the two of you with your wives and I know that, oh, okay. Uh, I've seen the two of you with your wives and like, I don't like think that you want to have sex with each other, but like, what do you think about the depictions we see this in, in real life and also in film and television and, and literature? I w- I'm going to go first for a minute because I want to talk about that. And then uh, Brent and then Nick, because we're going in the order who had their hands up. Um, personally, I think with like my straight guy friends, we still like doing like me and Sebastian were talking about this the other day. We're like, no, we need to have like a boys weekend where we go away and we're like watching anime or we're going to a convention. And like, I feel like it's more like you get to have that bond and it's just pure fun. There's no pretense of for me i'm gonna say just this for me as someone who's a gay male there's no pretense of like sex or or crushes or are we gonna get together like it's really just like i'm hanging out with my boy we're gonna have lots of fun and do boy things and no one has to tell us like um why are you watching that or like what are you doing or anything else like that so that's what i kind of think of about bromances because like i love or it's like when i'm hanging out like my friend Kevin who's also straight like when we do stuff together like growing up a lot of people didn't understand why we were friends because I was gay and he was straight right but then when you actually sat us down like we all liked the same things and then when people saw us interact together they're just like you guys are just like two idiot boys like who are doing dumb boy stuff so that's how I kind of think of it um anyway Brent you go Well, I was thinking about it in a less innocent way, I guess, in terms of like, there's a quote and I wish I'm not going to get it right. So I'm only going to be paraphrasing paraphrasing here. But it was basically like, basically it was someone calling out straight men. They were like, in every way that counts, straight men love other men. And because who do they admire? Who do they cherish? Whose words do they value? Who do they let influence them? Who who do they respect? Um, and then all those answers, it tends to be other men. And so in every th- way that counts, except for the physical act of sex, they like men. Yeah, they want to impress men. They want to be friends with men. They don't. And so I, I've even had to, I've had straight male friends. That I've actually had to tell, I had to tell one to his face. I'm like, you actually don't like women. I was like, you you like to fuck women. You don't like women. I was like, because in every way that counts, in everything I've ever heard you say about a woman, it has been something negative. And and then also, too, I think about, to bring it back to bromances, look at how sometimes bromances get um, written in these comedy movies and how the girlfriends involved in these bromances get written. They often get written as harpies for demanding the most basic of fucking communication. They get written off as being, um, as being, you know, oh, oh, she's such a bitch because she wants me to actually go out with her and have a and have a drink and not spend five days out the week with my bro. Like you know, so I, 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 I think that there's room for room there's there's room for interesting i think growth in terms of how romances are written and there could be some real examinations of like 
how how these relationships can actually be depicted in a healthier way. Because I do think men absolutely need those relationships and they need them to be, you know, for their emotional health and mental health and well-being. I think just the way that they get depicted now, especially in, in media, it comes at the expense of women sometimes. Well, a lot of the times, I think. Nick, do you want to go before I talk again? I would like to speak to Okay, wow. I didn't see your hand L- up. <laughs> LP, way to ask a question um, that everyone has a thought on here. Um, I think what Will and Brent just said are super interesting. Um, and I, I agree that there are some men out there that generally just don't like women, save for the sexual factor. Um, <clears throat> which is hard, because it's like, well, why don't you, right? Um, I think... I think there's like, well, let me make sure I'm answering this right. LP, what is the original question? Uh, I'm just, I'm just curious what you think about that theory. Cause like I've seen it at work. I I've seen there's, there's a, <laughs> there's some YouTubers that I follow and one of them has a girlfriend and they both like purport to not be like, not straight. Like they're not, I'm not 100% straight, but they do a lot of queer baiting and they like, do that thing, but the one is so mad about the other one's girlfriend until the the prospect of them having a threesome comes up. <laughs> he's like, wait, well, I, I really like her. It was like, oh, this is weird. So I, I'm just curious, like, what do you think about that theory and, like, if and how that shows up in your writing because you said that the, the relationships you write best are romances. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a great theory and I think I think there's some truth in that theory. Um, I think the relationship between two men for that matter is easier emotionally than having a relationship with a woman. Um, because there's a whole lot of different things that you can add into that. Right. A little bit more complex on, on certain things, but you know, when it comes to the communication piece, I could go to one of my, my, one of my straight friends in my guy group that I hang out with it regularly. And I can be like, dude, I feel X way. And all of them will just be like, been there. That is the end of the conversation. Like, that's how we connect. It's 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 a weird thing because I've got you four where we're on a whole nother level about talking about emotions and dice dissecting it and like figuring it out with the, with them. It's just a, it's just different. It is there's an understanding there that I don't have to talk to. And I, and I feel like in relationships with, with, with women and like you, you have to work on your communication piece. You have to be in a place where you are comfortable expressing how you feel and not being attacked for how you feel and expressing your feelings and there. And I, to Brent's point too, we demonize women in these types of movies of being unreasonable people that ask too much and we just can't do it. But at the same time, like there is a little bit of truth in there. Like, and I've seen it in my friends' relationships where like their wives want them to open up. And then as soon as they open up, they get attacked for feeling that way because their wife goes on the defense at that point. And that's a communication breakdown. Um, so I think, you know, to answer your question here, like, yes, I think the theories have some point. I think if you look at the communication pieces on how people communicate, respectfully to the spouse versus their friends. I think that's where we could really dig deeper on this one. 
Marshall. I'll keep it short. Um, I just wanted to go back to what you were saying, Will, because I think that part, I know for me, um, the time I have with my buddies, like whether it be going to play golf or like you said, like there's some freedom in the fact of like, we're just going to go hang out and be dudes and do the thing and hang out for a while and not have to worry about. I think it also depends on what you have, what your home life is like too. Like, you know, I have a wife and kids and all this other stuff. Like it's nice to like grab a buddy or two and go and do a thing and know that I'm going to come back to that and it's going to be fine. But it's like, it's, there's a freedom I think when that, in that. And I think when going back to the writing and writing these type of relationships and going back to the question I didn't answer very well earlier, like the, the main character of the story I'm writing right now is there's a bromance with him and a longtime buddy. Um, and it's, it's, that's the kind of the core of the found family. And when those, when that communication breaks down or when other people come into the picture or um, they're all stressed out, like those are the kind of things I think we focus on um, that make those relationships interesting in our writing. Right. And they make them realistic too. Right. Because if, you know, if I'm out hanging out with a buddy and, you know, unexpectedly, my wife shows up that changed the dynamic. I love my wife, but that wasn't the plan of the story of the, of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like um, that's a bad example. Hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this, but, um, <laughs> but, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Right. Um, I just wanted to say like, there is a freedom in that and those relationships are important um, for sure. Yeah. I want to touch upon what Brent said real quick. I think he's right in everything that he said about the way that, men want the respect of men and then it and the way they they are it's misogyny right i think when the question was brought up i think i have really i think i'm really lucky i think i have wonderful straight men in my life and probably because i don't think i would i don't have to hang out with men like that anymore who are um like that when i did when i was a kid or in school I didn't. I had no choice but to be around that, and that grossed me out. And I didn't have a lot of guy friends at all, actually. But in my adult life, I have tons of straight guy friends, and it feels fun and nice. And I think the biggest thing, too, and Marshall, I mean, all of you guys could probably answer this. Sometimes it just makes you feel like a kid again when you're just going outside playing and you're just with your friends and you're you're just being stupid, you know, and just having a good time and there's no there's no feelings or sexual tension because it is different. I think when you're, when you're a gay male and you have a crush on someone else, then that just changes the whole entire dynamic of it. You know, there's all these feelings come in and Oh my gosh. Anyway, we'll move on to the next chapter, but I personally think we need to have a whole entire episode on romances. Well, I, look, um, and I agree yeah. with you and like, I love, and I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm dragging this out just for a mm. hair longer, um, because you're right. There is a silliness to it that is freeing and hilariously fun. Like Nick and I rode scooters at San Diego Comic Con, like downtown, you know, in the gas lamp, and that was fun as hell. You and I ran around New York with my kids, and it was just, it was just a blast. We went to the freaking toy store and just had a great time, and that kind of stuff is fun, and I think that's really important. So I think yeah. you said anyway. it really, really well, well, and you're like, we can just be stupid. Literally, yeah. like I've had so much fun <laughs> throwing rocks in holes and talking about poop and sex with a bunch of guys. Like, <laughs> sounds like the dumbest conversation. It was a three day conversation, guys. Like, 
No other expectations other than that. And we threw rocks and holes at Lake Powell on a boat. Not like, the case. This is, yeah, this is the straight guys. Like, you know, like we get to do stupid things and there's no expectation to do anything else but stupid things. It's great. Well, you know, this is what I want to touch upon on the next episode. So on the next bromance episode that we have in the new year for LP and Brent. With Sounds your, like the first of many bromance episodes. I know, with, <laughs> with your straight friends who you have a bromance with or that you're, you know, you're really tight. Like uh, what I want to ask is like, is it that freeing for you? We don't have to answer that today, but that's something I think we could touch upon. And what's the difference between like two gay males, even if you're not attracted to them and you know, like you're just not into them like that. But like, is there this, I mean, we mm-hmm. can answer it now too. It's like there, we like, need to do some relationship. Well, yeah, so, well, uh, so like, okay, my best friend group, it's like, it's me, another gay guy, a straight guy and a, and a lesbian. The four of us, like we spend all our fucking time talking. We spend all our time together. We, you know, that's who I'm always out with. That's who I'm always in the group chat with. So with, um, with my straight best friend, it is actually, well, so his brother's gay. So, he he's had his whole journey with that and you know um learning to accept his brother and love his brother and just they have like the best fucking relationship and they are like the two best brothers i've ever seen but um but you know he he had to learn that and i think with me it's like i don't know with him it's just like there's no attraction whatsoever like it would we just we're but we can be honest with each other about stuff. Like I can ask some questions about like, you know, being a straight man. I'm like, well, why the fuck y'all do that? All right. Like he can ask me questions. He'll be like, well, why, why do gay guys do this? Or is this something, or we'll joke, you know, we can joke about the thing, the differences and the things that we do. And like, you know, how we both have this joke that like everyone thinks I'm straight and everyone thinks he's gay. And, 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 and so we always constantly joke with each other at the club. I'm like, well, send the girls to him. So I'm sending the girls over to him. And like bring the boys to me, you know. So it's like you, you, we find it. You find a different dynamic. But like with my gay best friend, it's it's I don't know. We, it's the same thing. We make kind of jokes and stuff and whatnot. But it's just that I think there's just certain experiences that only you can only talk to some with about somebody if you've lived it and if you've been through it. Like there's certain things about straight life I don't understand. I don't want to understand. It is totally fine. I don't need that experience. And there's certain things about, I'm sure, like about the gay experience. It's like he, he's totally fine knowing nothing about. Like, I doesn't want to, you know, have that level of intimacy with, I guess. But I think the the through line is um, as much as we are silly, there's also times where we know we got to call each other out about our shit. And, and I think that's and I think that to me is when you have like a healthy bromance so to speak and the what the, and the ones i'm was speaking on previously i think i've seen so many relationships where they let each other get away with shit that i'm just like what what are you doing how is that really your friend like are you letting them get away with it because you have fun with them and and so i guess that's more my call out with a lot of these and i see it with straight men mostly is the, these they let their bro get away with this bullshit because well this is my bro I have fun with him this is who I got to get drinks with on Friday, but he's beating the shit out of his wife at home. Oh, oh no, yeah. See, when you say that, like no, I think none of my any of my friends, straight or gay, if anyone was doing that shit, they would fucking call them out and probably beat the fuck out of them, which I'm happy about. 
Yeah, yeah and I don't think we could do for this next one. Yeah, there's a lot we can talk about, and I don't think anybody in here has those kind of relationships. I'm just speaking more so in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no, no. Yeah, there's but a I, time and place for violence. Yeah, that that is true. When they cheat on you. Yeah, cheat on you. That's when you just grab their shit and put it in a bonfire and light that shit on fire. I do want to have a whole episode on this, though. We should have a whole episode. We really should. I think I I have some stories about some of. Yeah, go. Yeah, please. Well, okay. So I think we have time for one more question from this section, my friend. (laughs) We did it again. We didn't even get through I the know. whole section. I understand that. We have to do another episode. We're already at okay. an hour, so I'm just saying we have a time for one more question. All right. Just now <laughs> asking good questions. Two. I think we should All do right. two. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about one way to feel better about the world. Okay. The world can be a scary place sometimes. I'm reading this from the book, everyone. Um, there are carnivorous office pigs with razor sharp key fob teeth and a 54 a 50 foot tall swans keep scooping people up in their palatial bills dirt bikes have come to life ridden by people made of dirt and they want us to turn everything into dirt but there is one easy and hopefully fun way to be less despondent and to get in touch with your own sense of optimism and possibility you can write about people who want things. So my question is for all of you, what do you write about when you are feeling despondent with the world? How do you connect with your optimism? How do you connect to your characters who are trying to fight for a better world? And we will start with the illustrious LP Kindred. Oh my God, I'm so glad you saw my luster. Um, (laughs) uh, very not known thing. Uh, the P in LP kindred stands for pariah. Um, in my head, I am a very lonely person. Uh, and I think I've been depressive for a very long time. Uh, so in those moments when I'm writing for and about or trying to do is people connecting, um, which can sometimes feel like the hardest thing on the planet to do. And so I think most of my work on some level is about connecting. And then like, as you zoom out, it's about communities and what makes a community a community, what makes a family a family, the demands a community has on an individual, the demands an individual has on a community. But like, it's about me at a core level wanting to connect. I love that. And now we'll go to Marshall. <laughs> uh, what do I write about? So the question is one more time. The question is, is when, you know, life is just getting you down. There's, you know, maybe like, you know, velociraptors on your tail. Uh, The death star is aimed at your planet. Uh, You have a fascist government that's ready to take power for 2024. What do you write about? For optimism and to give you hope, too like soon, how do you connect soon. with your yeah, cats? Yeah, that's Sorry. a little soon. I uh, mean, listen, I'm just saying, just so is <laughs> here, everyone. Um, I, I did I say think, buckle up, bitches, when I started. Yeah, you did. To be fair, you did. I, I look. I typically write things very much like Star Wars, like little guy, someone who can't feels like he can't make a difference, but really wants to. Frustrated with the world around him in some way, shape, or form, and um, kicks ass. That's what I like to write about. I like to write about um, people who 
Um, so when I get frustrated, it's a lot of times it's stuff that I can't do much about. Um, and I like to write about people that are able to do something about the bullshit that's going on around them. So that's, that's me. I love that. Um, Brent, same question. So this, this may sound counterintuitive, but, um, I make it worse in my world because I have to remind myself that, you know, no matter how think hopeless or out of control or terrible things seem now that, uh, there's, it's always been, there's, there's always a place you can find where it was much worse or is worse or is heading towards something worse, you know? And that's not to dismiss the current worries of the moment because I, I you know, I, I don't ever want to be that person that's like, oh, well, they're starving children in Africa. You know how they always do that bullshit when you didn't want to eat your food? So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I never want to be yep. that person. But I do think it's important to understand that um, that it, it it has been worse and people have fought through it. So if if I'm worried about, I don't know, if I'm worried about, uh, now I can't get out of my head now that you say that uh, a fascist government in 2024 taking over. Well, I'm going to imagine those uh, if that fascist government had the power to summon demons and, and, uh, and had a little army on their side or something. I don't know, wild example, but I'm just saying make it worse. That's what I do. Because if I can imagine worse and still have someone work their way through it, then maybe I can work through it too. And maybe someone else can work through it too. Yeah, I love that. Um, Nikki, what do you um how do you connect to your characters when life is just, you know, Jaws is after you when you're in the water, sharks are swimming around you, the man of war you know, they're jellyfishes that sting you. Like, what do you write about? How do you connect to the character to give you optimism? I kill it. Uh, I kill things. Like, if I'm being honest, go on and kill mm-hmm. it. I have this theory, right? I don't... I believe in ghosts and demons and all that other stuff, and it scares me because you can't kill it. <clears throat> you can't, like... I can't go and kill a demon right now. I can't go kill a ghost. That scares me. But if I can kill it, that's not scary anymore. It means I got to have a chance. I got a fighting chance at that. So, like, when I, you know, frustration levels hit a certain point, I go and I kill things or people or. In in writing, you mean? Because yeah, don't incriminate yourself. Right? Your, your characters, in- right, Nick? Please say that. <laughs> Yo, please clarify. <laughs> yeah, because now what, you're starting what, to sound what, like a serial killer. Let the Here record we go, single way now. My characters, my characters kill people for me. Uh, they just happen to be named Nick. Um, no, really, like I, I do. Like there, I watched a document. Like not to take this on even longer. I just watched a documentary um, about a missing soldier out of Fort Hood and how poorly that was handled, um, and all like it dove into a lot of the sexual assault cases in the military and how those are handled. Um, you know, and it really got me thinking and like, I started plotting another book on like killing someone that was taking advantage of people like that. And that's just what I gravitate towards. Like I know I'm going to end up writing a murder mystery where you're in the eyes of the killer the entire time and you don't realize it until the very end. 
So it's going to happen. But, you know, if we go on a true crime podcast, Crime Junkies, favorite of mine, love it. He just said we are going to be a true crime show now because if you suddenly get indicted for murder, oh, yeah, they're gonna, we're going to be so part of it. Can I edit out the part is, where he said he goes and kills people or not? Because that's no, 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 keep it in. I mean, I'm going to Let's see what you're saying. We want to mm-hmm. cross talk with other podcasts. We might as well cross talk with the famous one like Crime Junkies. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a hell of a way to get to Wow. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> wow. Tonight with your verbs uh, are just like, <laughs> you know, y'all should have known this was going to happen from the uh, first mistake that I walked into 10 seconds oh, into We know who's days. getting the thesaurus for Christmas. Oh, wow. The thesaurus. <laughs> wow. Look, that wouldn't even help me. I don't even know why. I'd probably still, I'd find more one words to say. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in that Blacks Only office. (laughs) (laughs) You guys. I can't. It's just washcloths and segregation up in this podcast. There's no washcloths in that office, is Marshall's. Nope, not a single one. <laughs> well, uh, too many inside jokes up. for the end of an episode. I think just, just, yeah. just for the podcast to know, Marshall is the only one of us who doesn't use a washcloth. Well, not on my body. I think I use one to dust this office. We're gonna have to like create a dictionary of like in, just keep writing in, inside <laughs> jokes so people know what the hell we're talking about. Exactly. That's not inside joke. That's just a fact. This is, this is my yeah, dusting cloth. Right? I dust my yeah, office with this washcloth. That's a oh, chamois. <laughs> it's a fucking chamois. Touche. Well, anywhere. I'm disgusted. All right. All right. <laughs> On this episode of Just Keep Writing, we finished <laughs> section three of Your Feelings Are Valid. Ooh, it only took a whole lifetime. <laughs> it took three restarts. Stay and- tuned for the multi layered, multiple episode about bromances. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.